Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Good morning, Mr. Siddiqui. Okay. Because they all do the good morning, Mr. I can't say the last name. I forget his name already. Yeah. Man- now I want to say Mankiewicz, but that's not right. It's not Mankiewicz. That's a different movie. That's yeah. And Josh Mankiewicz from Dateline, NBC. Hi. How's it going, Mita? <laughs> I am living and breathing. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Matichek. <laughs> that's the last. Manichek. Manichek. Matichek. Manichek. Manichek? Well, anyway, was something, we watched was something Eastern European. We watched a movie. The name was a big part of the movie. Completely forgot the name. Yep. <laughs> I have kept two big things from you. Two? We just two. chatted before this, too. How I... you, why are you keeping all these secrets from me? I know. But I keep it for the recording. Okay. The, you know, the things that are meant for the recording, I keep. And I tell you the other before things. Before you disclose your secrets. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Does it not kill you inside? Because that one time I kept a secret from you, I kept wanting to text you the entire time. You're like, I saw James Bond, but I didn't yeah. do it. No, it's usually because we talk about everything. And so the sometimes not telling you is actually very hard because my gut instinct is to be like, oh, by the way. And I'm like, oh, I can't because I have to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing that to the listeners because I've been like, oh, I have to say something. And now we're just talking about how I have to say something, but I haven't had said what the thing is. <laughs> what is it? I saw two movies. <gasps> yeah. well, I'm also had... like kind of mad at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I had built-in babysitting, so I saw Belfast <gasps> and I saw King Richard. <gasps> I'm so <laughs> mad and jealous and upset right now. I have plans yeah. for, tentative plans for King Richard and then I don't have plans for Belfast. So tell me, tell me, just tell me. So how much do I tell you? Um, uh, I, don't spoil anything because those are actually two that I'm probably going to go see. Okay. I'm and not going to see so like the last duel. So like that was fine when you told me all about that. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I will say about Belfast, mm-hmm. see it sooner than later. Okay. Because I think it's going to become a front runner mm. for Oscars and that'll kill the hype. It'll, I don't it'll be a do, La La Land. It'll be a La La Land. Yeah. And I think the movie deserves better than that. Okay. It's also an hour and a half. Oh, I love it. Which that. for an Oscar movie, and especially the type of movie it is, is miraculous. That's very nice. So I highly recommend you go see that. Put that at the top of your list to go see. Silver City? Yeah, you got to go. You got to do it. I Wait, is it not playing at the Theater New You, the Canada one? Oh, I don't go there, though. I don't get my scene points. I know. I prefer going to Cineplexes as well because I think Cineplexes are the better theater. Yeah, they are. Well, they're also, I mean, they're the conglomerate in Canada. That's all you really have. Yeah. But I love Cineplexes, as does Mita. Yes, we love Cineplex and we love love being part of the Cine Club. Yes, both Mita and I are part of the Cine Club. Hopefully Cineplex is listening and they'll give us a sponsorship (laughs) deal. But anyways, (laughs) go see it. Go see Belfast and put it at the top of your list and see it before the hype kills. Okay. King Richard was pleasant, Mm -hmm. very Will Smith, Mm. which is interesting because he has a lot of awards, like, talk behind him. Oh, really? But it's kind of like, 
You know when it's interesting because I felt like if Robin Williams was kind of that way too. Like sometimes Robin Williams could be so Robin Williams, but there's a way that he managed to like contain it. Okay. Even the genie, for instance, which is probably the most Robin Williams role. And Will Smith. Somehow. Sorry? And Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, but like somehow the genie played by, voiced by Robin Williams was so over the top, but somehow still felt like a character. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like Robin Williams was playing the genie. It felt like the, he had somehow crafted this he loud, obnoxious... Genie. He became genie. Yeah. Whereas when Will Smith did it, and even in the live-action version, Will Smith brings his own Will Smithness to it. Yeah, you're watching the over. Fresh Prince play You're genie. watching the Fresh Prince. So a couple of things. Also, you read a lot about it afterwards, and you're like, oh, they definitely misled you on a few things. Okay, because my... My qualms with this film, like, I'm very excited because I grew up in a household where, like, we watch tennis a lot. And mm-hmm. Serena and Venus are, like, my dad's favorite players. And so I really oh, nice. want to go see it with him. Oh, he'll really like it then. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a household w- surrounded by that. My problem with it, though, is, like, do we need a movie that focuses on their father or <laughs> focuses on them? And I haven't well, seen it yet, so I don't know. watch it. Yeah? Okay, good. Did you ever see... The movie Dungle with Amir Khan. Yes. I really like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. This really reminded me of Dungle. But Dungle was a bit more sophisticated. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It had a little bit more, like, Amir Khan is interestingly a very similar actor. Movies become very much about him. Mm -hmm. And Dungle didn't. Okay. It really focused on the girls, I felt. And, like, it really focused on their story. And Amir Khan really wasn't, like, the prime person. Yeah. This, it was hard. Even though the movie's like about, about Serena and Venus, Serena and Venus, and it is about their father too, like it's about their relationship. But I just have to. And wait I understand. And see it. Yeah, you have to wait and see it, and then we can dissect it. Okay. But do see it. It's a crowd pleaser, but it's not the best movie. Okay. Like That's, people I didn't will think it really was like be this. Really like amazing. I just really want to yeah. see it because I love the people that it's about. That's about. People yeah. will really like it. It is definitely very easy to watch. It's two and a half hours. Why? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. Oh, okay. I will remember yeah. that. I'm so mad and happy for you all <laughs> at the same time. But you have a lot of movies coming up. I do. Plus you had an experience this weekend, Mita, right? I did. I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife this yeah. weekend. <laughs> can't help but laugh at myself for for <laughs> pre-ordering these tickets like i don't know why i needed to do that the, was it like empty um it wasn't empty but it, i didn't need to pre-order my ticket yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you did for house of gucci as well which i was just like i get being excited but i don't think you need to pre-order these tickets either. house of gucci i needed to oh really it sold it's, out it's full the theater that i booked from oh wow it's like full now and then it's full now, and they are spacing out at Lansdowne. But then oh, okay. I looked at Coliseum, and it's, like, mm-hmm. booked, packed. So I'm like, I'm glad I didn't go to Coliseum because I wouldn't want to be yeah. in that theater. Yeah. So House of Gucci. House of Gucci I plan on seeing on Wednesday, November 24th. Today is yeah. Monday, November 22nd. So people yes. have an idea because this is airing in December. So yeah. <laughs> time travel is real. Y'all. Yeah, we're in the past. We're in the past. Um, but this weekend I went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, yeah. which so uh, Ghostbusters has like a really big place in my heart. I think I've explained okay. 
before, but I had a babysitter once that I used to go to like every day after school. I would walk to this mm-hmm. person's house and stay at their home. And they only had two movies <laughs> for me to watch, one of which was um, Batman Forever and the other was Ghostbusters 2. So oh, not even one. <laughs> it wasn't even one. So I literally every other day would watch Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> I would alternate, and I believe I saw two before I ever saw one. I, oh, okay. Yeah. And so, it, and I watched them every Halloween. Like, I do have a really warm spot for them in my heart, okay. and I don't consider the third one, the whole female, female one, a part of the Ghostbusters no. universe. Because it wasn't good. It wasn't good, and it's also, it's not canon. Like, they have no, Bill Murray in it, and he plays, like, this random person in it. So, yeah. like, it's not part of the series. It's not a part of the world, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not going to spoil anything about Ghostbusters because before the movie even starts, Jason Reitman comes onto the screen. Yeah. And he says, hey, everyone, I'm so excited that you're going to be watching Ghostbusters Afterlife. This has a big spot in my heart because I grew up on these film sets and like it was it's been a part of my family. And this was a real family venture for us. And he specifically says... Do not spoil the ending for anybody. We want people to like see and experience this ending. So don't say anything. So I'm not okay. going to say anything, but Nadim, I'll tell you once. The yeah, please tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all I will say, and I texted you this, is that I did <laughs> almost cry. Like I, my eyes watered. Something happens at the end of this movie mm. where it was very, my eyes watered. And um, Is it Whitney Houston dying? No, it wasn't Whitney Houston dying. <laughs> I don't know why you make fun of me. It's a very emotional <laughs> time. <laughs> For those who don't understand what happened, when Whitney Houston died, I was really upset and I cried a little bit. So <laughs> the team likes to make fun of me for that. I just find it so funny. Makes fun and of- also so telling about your character. I actually really like it as a like a side anecdote about Mita because it says so much about Mita. That I'm an empath? <laughs> yeah. And very pop culture Yeah, well, it's, it's just like, it's all of it, you it's know. She's so yeah. talented. She was young. <laughs> she got involved in drugs. We're just going to start She's crying, had guys. this, like, moment in pop culture. And I just feel really sad for her and her family that she passed away. Because yeah. she had a lot left in her, I believe. So um, She but- believed the children were the future. <laughs> let them lead the way um but yeah ghostbusters will tug at those heartstrings if you're a fan okay. of the yes of the series and so that's what i was gonna say i feel like that's a bit of a part of it that yeah. you really i liked ghostbusters growing up mm-hmm. i think i was i never really like got into them yeah. the same way like i watched them and i enjoyed them but i never really like relished them so i don't know if it would have the same impact on I me i don't think and my it movie would. going time is so yeah and my movie going time is so limited so i'm not going to the other part of it is like they so obviously try to like attract people who grew up with this like series catering to the nostalgia and like he, there are parts of this like this could be a really good standalone movie but then like in terms of the score, the score is essentially mm. just a throwback to the first two. Yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't fit with what you're trying to do. And in terms of like the actual ghost, like it's 2021, you could really elevate that experience yeah. and have them look a certain way. And they look like the ghosts that you see in 1984. Oh. Yeah. So there's some choices there that I don't necessarily agree with. But that ending, yeah. I think he did what he planned on doing with that ending. And that was successful. But yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll leave it at that. We don't want to spoil it for people. Mm-hmm. Maybe we move on. Maybe? 
to a little shop. Around the corner? A shop around the corner. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> so this is our second holiday movie, and it was Mitha's pick. We oui, we. Oui. She picked the 1940 rom-com, mm-hmm. a shop around, The Shop Around the Corner. Yep. Nadim. Uh, and... Oh, what were yes, you going to say? I was going to say, no. why don't you tell us about the shop around the corner? Let me tell you about the mother effing shop or the mother <laughs> effing corner. It's not that kind of movie, folks. <laughs> Somebody's hyper this evening. Okay. <laughs> so for our listeners, I just want to let you know, Mita prepares a little itinerary for every recording that we have. We put in what we're going to talk about for small talk, and then Mita puts the IMDb description. Let me read out the IMDb description for oh, The Shopper in the Corner. A highly advanced robotic boy longs to become real so that he can regain the love of his human mother. Oops. Now you know what I do. I just make a copy of our last <laughs> one and then fill in the blanks. Would you like me to quickly? Let me, let me just go to IMDb myself. Oh, God bless me. It's, that was <laughs> That's the that was first funny. time that's happened in how many episodes? First time though? in almost like 80 episodes. So that is pretty impressive, I will so, say that. So, yeah, there you go. Okay, so the IMDb discro for the shop around the corner is two employees at a gift shop can barely stand each other without realizing that they are falling in love through the post as each other's anonymous pen pal. Mm. Mm-hmm. So think of this as the original You've Got Mail. This is the original You've yeah. Got Mail. <laughs> Namita, talk to me about why you picked this. Well, Nadim, as we know, I'm a planner and I go by the notion, <laughs> fail to plan, plan to fail. Yes. And so when I was making my choices for our for this season of our podcast, I had out all the dates. So I knew that for December, I was going to have to pick out Christmas movies. And then last year we did, what did we do? We did we did Unconventional. We did Die Hard, Eyes Wide Shut, Trading, Trading Places. Places and, oh, It's a Wonderful Life. And It's a Wonderful Life, which was our only conventional. Super conventional, yeah. Super conventional Christmas movie. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to go along the theme of having conventional Christmas movies, yep. but not the ones that people remember. So you'll see that this pick is not one that people would actually choose. And my next yeah. one is also something that people kind of tend to forget when it comes to okay. Christmas. And so this I, I knew about and I knew I had seen it like once <laughs> on like oh. Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't very familiar with it. It's not something that I play very often. But oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was like, let's just watch it. And see what it is like because it also, as you mentioned, is the precursor to the classic 90s rom com, You've Got Mail, which yes. holds a place in my heart as well. Okay. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But okay. Yeah, that's why I picked it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you don't, so let me ask you then do you think this is a movie to watch before the end of the world? I think we should talk about the movie, the itself. movie itself before we get okay. to that point. Okay. Yeah. So, why don't you in this start? Thesis, Mita's going to give her reasons why or why not she thinks this is a movie to watch before the end of the world. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And go. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I had a rough weekend. I had a really long weekend. It was I was very tired. I went to Toronto with my wife and kids. We stayed at my in-laws' place. It was not the most comfortable experience. We were. It was just not. It wasn't a great trip overall. Ouch. And they don't listen, so 
Listeners, don't tell my in-laws I said that. Or his wife or his kids. No, my wife said the same thing. So the only time I really had to watch this was last night. So we were recording on Monday, the 22nd of November. And the only time I had to watch it was after driving six hours back from Toronto to Ottawa, having dinner with my parents, putting the kids to sleep and turning on this hour and a half movie, black and white movie from 1940. (laughs) And I will tell you, Mita, I was pleasantly surprised. Oh. I... Honestly, given the circumstances, I didn't expect to actually to be like enthralled. I was very, very yeah, yeah, enthralled at all. I was very tired. It was the only time it was going to work, and I kind of figured that like I'd have to watch it in pieces, which I only had to stop it once. Wow. I didn't have to stop it more than that. It actually was very endearing. It was very cute. It's not without its like hiccups or flaws or whatever, but I was very pleasantly surprised. I found myself smiling a few times and like I found myself really enamored by it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very charming. And I think charming is like the best way to describe it. It's, the it's a very charming word. film. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a charming little film. It's quaint. It's quaint. It is quaint. Like the shop around the corner. It is really like the shop around the corner. Yeah. And to add to what you were saying before like this i feel like this came out in 1940 so obviously you and i weren't Jesus. around yet 80 years <laughs> but to to you know i was a little worried going into this because i don't even remember watching it but i know i had seen it okay do you know when you like you've seen something on tv and you know you've like yeah. kind of watched it in passing and i think it must yeah. have been when i was like in high school and i knew that this movie was the original like you've got mail and so i like yeah. had that that pop culture knowledge yeah. um but it never it didn't leave like a lasting impression on me back then but i also was like really into a cinderella story so like yeah <laughs> <laughs> who knows what was happening in my brain but i was a little worried about going into this i'm like is it gonna be really boring is it gonna be really yeah. slow and tedious and not be able to stand that test of time And just like you, I was charmed from the get-go. Like, there's something so warm and inviting about it. It's like a good cup of chicken noodle soup. It's like a nice warm hug. And there's, it's just, it's so cute and lovely. And what I think could be, like, the origins of, like, the first real, like, exceptional rom-com. Yeah, it probably is an example of one of the first real romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. Because... I, I mean, When's I don't Adam's know film rib? history that way. Is Adam's Rib that old? I'm trying to think. It's Hepburn, so it's like... Audrey's mom? No. Stop <laughs> it. You're going to get people confused. Adam's Rib. 49. 49? Yeah. Why can't Rick I find Rick. it? Oh, yeah. 49. Okay, so this came George first. Yeah. yeah. And it's just... This came first. It's so... It's, a little, it's delightful. It's very charming. Yeah. It's very nice to watch. It is. So interestingly, so the thing, there was something I wanted to talk about last week in small talk and then this week, and now we have to retire it just because it's been too long. But the thing was actually that like of late, I've been watching a lot of like instead of watching TV, which is what I watch, Mm -hmm. like in the background, I've been watching a lot of old Bollywood films and generally speaking, ones that have left me feeling like warm and like have left me with really good feelings. Yeah. So I started with. I started with a couple, and I'm not going to go into them, but then I got to one of my all-time favorite films, Hamapke Hekon, which we talked... <laughs> I was going to say it. <laughs> which we posted about the other day mm-hmm. as just a really warm film. Hamapke Hekon is, interestingly, a movie I watched during the holiday season because 
it always makes me feel warm. And it's not, it's an Indian movie that takes place like throughout, it's like a year span, I think, or maybe a little bit more. She has a baby, so at least nine months. <laughs> at least nine months. Yeah. And like she had, they, then they have and to have married. So like, it's over a year, married. yeah. It's about a, it, yeah, there's a long time that happens. And this movie is about nothing. It's about these two families coming together through the wedding, through a wedding. And then the secret relationship that the groom's brother and the bride's sister kind of have. And then there's like a little story that happens at the end of the movie when the worst, literally the most traumatizing death of a movie ever happens. But anyways, all this to say that the movie left me feeling so warm and so comfortable. Like it really just like, I was watching it and it just made me feel, it made me feel good. It was endorphins. I could feel the surge of like happiness surging through me while watching that. And this gave me a very similar feeling. Maybe not the feeling that that gave, because with that movie, I have there's a lot like of that like... Nostalgia there's from your so childhood. Much nostal- yeah. yeah, there's like nostalgia and fam. There's so much, so many memories linked to that, that the movie itself is not the thing that conjures that. It's the movie and like, I remember it, it played in theaters here. And so we saw it once, my family, but like group of like 30 of us went and see out in the theater uh-huh. we went inside a second time and my mom's best friend called in sick to work so she could go see it <laughs> i love that because that's something you it. would do now <laughs> yeah absolutely i my, we went inside a third time when we were in india and it had still been playing for a year i have a memory of a cousin when we were really young singing one of the songs in front of a mirror and pretending to be one of the actors like there's so many like little memories just sewn into that that add to the fabric of kind of like how this movie makes you feel so obviously this one can't it can't emulate that just because I don't have the history but I did find myself when I had I had such a rough weekend I was so tired and I found myself just like comforted by this Right. And I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't expecting to feel... I was expecting to have an opinion, but not to feel like, oh, this was quite nice. Do you know what I think it is, though? And I'm glad you brought up nostalgia. Watching this had me not yearning, but just like remembering all the fun parts of working retail. Like, yeah, with all the different like true. kooky characters yeah. that you come like yeah. you and I met working retail. Yeah, we, are right? the, we are the kooky characters from retail. <laughs> exactly. And like there's just something there watching it, I was just like, oh, and and this could also be because this is my first Christmas in twelve oh, years yes. that I have not worked in retail. Oh, and wow. It's like hitting me like a ton of bricks right now. Just like, I don't have to stand on my feet for like 12 hours a day. I don't have to run around looking for somebody. Some Like, it's just, it's it's a relief. But there's also, there's parts of it that I'm really missing. Like, I miss, you know, seeing the store decorated really nicely. I miss like sort of that warm holiday spirit that spread throughout. I miss like the work secret Santas and stuff like that. Yeah, little things. Um, and having that kind of camaraderie in your workplace, the, the fact that you and a bunch of people are all going through this hell together can be really nice at yeah. times. And watching this, I was just like, oh, like, remember when we used to do that, when we would work in the stock room together yeah. and like shoot the shit <laughs> like, yeah. or we would gossip about this coworker or yeah. like, especially when I worked at The Gap, there were a lot of rumors about like employees sleeping with each other. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like this happens in this movie. Yeah. Right. And so it's I watching it, I was just like, oh, it, I think that's what really like overcame with me is like this nostalgia of something that I once had that like for the first time in a long time, I don't have it anymore. And the way good nostalgia does, it takes away the bad parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, when I watch Hamapke Hikon, it's not the waiting two and a half hours outside in the cold to see this movie because 
nothing was on time. It's not like anything else surrounding it. I just remember the specific good things. And similarly to you, having worked retail a lot of my life, the holiday season is garbage. And people, the worst of the worst of people comes out during holiday season. It is awful to work retail. And if just throwing this out there, because it is like the peak of Christmas shopping when this episode comes out, be nice to the people that you are. Just be nice. (laughs) It goes so far because those people are working. They're not making a lot of money. It is backbreaking work. And like they, they, they have to do it. You know who has to work like Boxing Day and Black Friday and like has to deal with like the shittiest people in the world are retail workers. You're fighting about your return today. And like you might think that this is okay to to pick a fight with somebody just one random day. I have to have that fight every single day, seven days a week. Like it's not... It's not fun for us. Yeah. So just and be nice. And yeah. I will give you your money back if you're nice to me. But if Oh you... my God, you have no idea. <laughs> when you ask, can I just tell you, retail workers have way more, at certain stores have way more control than they let on. And yeah. managers really do. Yeah. Just be nice and people will move the world for you. Yeah. Because you know what I, and then my team would be like, why were you so nice? I go, I picked my battles and she was really nice to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I will give her what she wants because she asked nicely or he. But don't rant over (laughs) (laughs) or or is it? No, or what you're saying is true, though, because like there's even that scene where they're looking at a belt in the window and a woman asks, like, how much is that belt? (laughs) How much is that belt? The one that's marked 269. And she's like, it's 269. And she goes, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, that is what working retail (laughs) is like. like, What did you expect? The price was magically going to change when you asked the question. I was actually really surprised with how witty the script was. Mm-hmm. It had some really, really legitimately like funny lines and not, this was surprising, not in a way though a lot of like old movies can be. Yeah. Like the wit was very fresh. It's still The comedy felt relevant. relevant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like timeless. It didn't feel like, oh, this must have been funny at the time. That line, specifically that belt line, that is funny. It's that is serious. solid writing right there. And 80 years later, it still holds. Yep, because people are still that stupid. People are still that stupid. So, I mean, it is just what it is. And, like, I think if you're a retail worker or you've ever worked retail, you'll have a, you'll you'll appreciate this just a little bit extra maybe because it does speak to that that world. It's the same way that, like, if you've ever watched Superstore, you kind of have, like, if you've worked. Oh, you should. Should I? Would so, I enjoy it? Yeah, you would. I Superstore never watched is very cute. it when it was on air because I was like, that might feel like too close to home. <laughs> no, but I think now that you're not working in store retail either, like, yeah. it, it, I think you'll appreciate it totally different. Okay. So I would watch it. But yeah, I was very surprised by this. Right? It's yeah. And then the other thing I kept thinking, though, was like, why can't we have this today? Like, these were nice things. Why can't we question. have them anymore? Like, what's wrong with us as a society that... Because I do think if you showed this to a teenager today, like you and I kind of grew up in this like really, it, it's kind of amazing because we dealt with dial up internet, but we also dealt with like the invention yeah, of social absolutely. media. And yeah. so like we know that we have this balance that teens today don't have whatsoever. And so I think if you showed this to some a kid today, like a teenager, they would just be like, this is boring. What is this? Like, but I would say some of that is also the film itself. And like, this is an interesting question you bring up because it's a matter of whether it's like attention span. Mm-hmm. Because like the youth of today, <laughs> I have no other way of putting this sentence, but the youth of today, <gasps> their attention spans are just shorter. When you're when TikTok is creating like 30 second videos and you can scroll through them to get your entertainment, mm-hmm. your attention span is going to shrink drastically. Mm-hmm. This movie does demand you have patience. 
Yes. It's not very long. It is only an hour and 40 minutes, like roughly. It's even less than that. It does feel a little long. A little bit. But I also think it feels long to us because we kind of also know, because we know about You've Got Mail and we know what the surprise factor of this movie is. You're just yes. waiting for that reveal the entire time. So you're well, like, when I, are you going to get to that point? But I, like, I would love to know what it would have been like in 1940 and you didn't know what this movie was about at all. Yeah. And I think the, the I do, like I questioned, I was just like, the moment they start talking about the pen pals and he's like, I'm writing to this woman. And I'm like, well, of course it's good. You know exactly where it's going. Yeah. But I wonder in 1940, if you had no logline, you had no IMDb to read, you were just like, oh, James Stewart is in the, James Stewart, who am I? Jimmy Stewart is in this movie. I hear it's cute. Let's go see it. And you took your little date to see this movie. What would you think? Would that feel like a real surprise? Would that feel like real? I think I like, would. Like a real twist? I would like if like, you didn't know? The, the girl that he hates? Oh my god, oh my, plot twist! Oh my lanta! <laughs> <laughs> like, I just wonder if even in 1940, where people sitting in the audience and being like, well, of course that's it. Let's take it to the streets. Let's find some people. <laughs> Let's find someone who's 90 and find out if it's like... Not 90. Is it? It's literally been 80 oh years, Mita. Oh my Mita. god, it's been 80 years. Yeah. Wow. This is old. So, <laughs> there's that. That was one of the things. I did feel it was a little long, and I think... Even watching it, fine. You know the gist of it. You know they're go- they're going to meet. They're going to hate each other. Yeah. But you also wonder, like, how is that going to resolve? And I do find that once he figures out who she is, mm-hmm. it really does stretch out from there. It is very long-winded. It's li- very long-winded from there. And you're kind of just like, can we not just wrap this up? And the interesting thing I found about this movie was I was more interested in the B story than the A story. Me too. That's actually yeah. my sequel prequel idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was more interested in Mr. What's-His-Face. Matt Matovich. Matt Matovich. But can we also say how out of left field that is to have a suicide in a romantic comedy, an attempted yeah, suicide? that definitely was really like, it Kinda was a whack. little strange. I was not <laughs> expecting that. Maskowitz? Manovich. I don't know. Matt Matichek. Hugo Matichek. Matichek? M-A-T-U-S-C-H-E-K. Okay. We can't say the last names. It's Eastern European. Yeah. We're just two Indian kids. Him. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, him. I was more interested in that story. I was more interested in the stories of like the other people. And that might be because you knew exactly where the like the romance was going. Alfred and Clara's romantic relationship was. Yeah. Whereas the B story, there was a little bit more like, you know, you figure out. And it's not confirmed. That actually did feel legitimately interesting because you're like, is he being mean because he thinks his wife is having an affair? Because mm-hmm. it's you're not certain. Like, there's still so much uncertainty. And the, the, the twist of who she's having the affair with does feel legitimately interesting because it's not necessarily, like, where you go. So I, I, I found myself more vested in that story, like, beginning to end. Right. To me, it felt like the movie was more about the quirky story of these people who work in the store and this is just one of the quirky stories, this love story between these two people. It feels Whereas, like when you watched Will and Grace and like you didn't watch for Will and Grace, you watched for Karen and Jack. Karen. Yeah. yeah kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very. Yeah. Sorry. When I, I think about what I. No, no, no. When I think about what I like about the movie, that's actually what I'm saying. I liked that. The love story I found a little blah. The love story just for me feels really easy. Yeah. Whereas like those quirky characters and like where you're going with them feels like. I think the writer had a really fun time with yeah. this and was like, where can I take this? Although I do think 
So the the store owner believes that his employee is having an affair with his wife. And so he fires James Stewart's character because he believes that he's sleeping with his wife or doing something. I don't know what they did in the 1940s. Um, Yeah, that was the other thing. I was just like, did people have affairs in the 1940s? Were they allowed to say affair in the 1940 movie? I don't know. I didn't know. Right? I was so confused. Like, or maybe yeah. he just like saw her stockings one time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he hi- had hired a private investigator who revealed like, no, it wasn't James Stewart character. It was this other person that works in your shop. Yeah. And when he makes that realization that he fired his best employee over his assumptions, he then attempts to kill himself. Which I thought was it's like real yeah, downer. Like said, real downer <laughs> and real extreme. Yeah. I thought when he goes into his office, I'm like, oh, he's going to go sit and think about it and have a drink. And then when you realize he went to shoot himself, I was like, what? That was not where I thought this was going. He doesn't get, he doesn't kill himself, though. He Pe- doesn't. Peppy it's an saves attempted the day. suicide. <laughs> Peppy saves the day. Oh, Peppy. But even at the end when, you know, Maskowitz, just going to, you know, Maskowitz, check. <laughs> when he, you know, he realizes he's left his wife and he doesn't have anyone and he becomes friends with the new Aaron boy. Like there was just little things that were very like endearing. Yes. They were just cute. They were sweet. It's nice. But the love story was not, it was like the least interesting thing about this movie. But I think that's what makes this so good is that like those are the things that are boring. Like I don't want to watch a romantic drama. Like I'm not going to sit like I don't love Titanic because of Jack. <laughs> No, but sometimes a good romance can be so gratifying too, right? Like a good relationship drama. Like, come on, we've talked about that. Marriage story is about Explain a to divorce. Me. <laughs> Explain to me the love of the way we were. <gasps> but that's because, <laughs> no, but that's because we know the trials and the tribulations. Like they're not sticking together. They're two people that are so right for each other yet so wrong for each other. And like mm. we go through time with them. What about Lutera? But again, he betrayed her <laughs> like the worst <laughs> way possible. There has to be like an element of betrayal. And there isn't that here. It's that they just don't know who one another yeah, is. Yeah, that's very true. The stakes yeah. are very low yes. with their relationship. And so that being said, I then was like extremely inspired to watch all the feel good movies. And okay. I, I watched um, The Fugitive this weekend too, which like. <laughs> it's a feel good movie for Bita. It's a, such a good movie. But immediately after I watched this, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch You've Got Mail now. <laughs> okay. Yes. I should have. I, if I had time, I would have. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Watch it. Watch it. But like, you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I I do. I did really like it like in my time because I think I was yeah. too young to have watched it when it came out. But like whenever it was on TV, I am a really big fan of Sleepless in Seattle and I will stand by Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle is different. It is. It's so good. But You've Got Mail, this viewing for me, I think I'm an adult now. (laughs) I think. I realize like this lacks so much of the charm that that shop around the corner has. And when I was growing up, I thought You've Got Mail is so charming. It's so delightful. You have America's Sweethearts, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks and this like great love story. And it's not (laughs) at all. It's really cheesy. It's they're very sad performances. I actually read up afterwards. Meg Ryan was like, um, this was like the least challenging thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Really? Yeah. And it's upsetting because it's Nora Ephron and I hold a place for her in my yeah. heart. And I think she is a really good writer. But it, when you compare the two, it lacks so much of the charm that this movie has. And then 
I think it is because it is very 90s and it's focused on these two characters much more than the surrounding characters. Like you have Dave Chappelle who plays like his, his like, it's not a chauffeur. He's the chauffeur. He's a driver. Driver. Thank you. No, but he's not his driver either. He just works with him. He works with Tommy. boy. Yeah. His errand his, boy. Maybe he's his assistant. I don't know what they yeah. do at the company together. And then okay. you have like Tom Hanks father and grandfather as well who like are the kooky characters and like meg ryan works with some kooky characters at the bookstore too but there isn't a light shed on them in the way that it is in this in shop Mm -hmm. around the corner and so you lose that like charm and that like chicken noodle soup feeling from the movie and so i would say like watch it like to just to contrast and compare but like don't expect anything from it i've actually never been a fan of you've got mail because i remember watching it the first time and finding it so boring and so long. It's two it's hours. It's really long. And like, you think that it's drawn out from when James Stewart finds yeah. out who she is. It's really drawn out from like, and they actually, they play that scene like, not shot for shot, but it's the exact same thing of Dave Chappelle looking through the cafe window, seeing that it's oh. Meg Ryan's character and being like, hey, like, she looks like Kathleen Kelly. Like, would you like a girl that looks like Kathleen Kelly? And he's like, why oh, are yeah. you bringing her up? And he goes, because it is Kathleen Kelly. Oh, yeah. It plays exactly like how it does in Shop Around the Corner. And like, that's when I was watching that. I was like, this is not as fun. <laughs> it's just not as nice. Have you ever seen The Lunchbox with Irfan Khan? Yes, and I love The Lunchbox. Okay. So The Lunchbox has a similar scene as well. Mm-hmm. Right? When she goes... So the Lunchbox, what people haven't seen it, please go see it. It's a lovely, lovely little film. And it's essentially... It's about these two people who live in Bombay. And Bombay has this... They call it Tiffin service. So it's a lunch service where someone will pick up lunch from your house and deliver it to your place of work. But this is there's like hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people who are on the service. And they never make a mistake. But... And like Harvard did like a study on this like grassroots bicycle messenger service and they couldn't figure out how they managed to keep everything organized anyways because they're indian because <laughs> they're indian one of these boxes gets mixed up so this housewife who's meant to be making lunch for the her husband makes them ends up they end up going to this man who's single and he's kind of very lonely and she she's clearly having some trouble romantic trouble with her husband and she starts writing him notes uh and then when the stranger gets the first of all she's a great cook and the stranger gets the notes, he starts to read them, and then he writes back, and they start this little correspondence through their lunchboxes. Mm-hmm. So cute. And it, like, they start to reveal things about themselves and about their lives. It's a bit like three therapy, essentially. But they decide to meet at a restaurant. Yeah. And she's young, and she's beautiful, and he's old. And Irfan Khan was very handsome, but he wasn't hot, and she was beautiful, and he feels threatened by her, essentially how she looks. So he writes her a note later saying, I saw you and you were beautiful and I just couldn't do it because I think you'd be disappointed in who I was. And like the movie essentially goes like it goes on further. But the way the movie ends and I love how the movie ends is she says she's running away. She's leaving her husband with her their daughter and that she's going to be on a train um, at a certain time. And all you see is her Fan Khan on a train going somewhere. Does he meet her? Does he not? You don't know. They met. <laughs> They didn't. But all this to say that that like that same scene done here, like in that movie, I found it incredible. Like mm-hmm. it was so so well done, and it's interesting to see these are three movies, three very different. I guess one very different movie, two, two very similar yeah, movies. Very yeah. similar. Yeah. <laughs> that you know employ that same scene, and it is played for laughs in this, and it works in the shop around the corner. 
I think in You've Got Mail, it just becomes tedious. Yeah, and just, like, unrealistic. Even for, like, You've Got Mail is somewhat dated now, <laughs> like, looking back on yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And You've got text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I was alive in that time and, like, can put myself in that position of, like, what yeah. would it have been like to have been emailing someone that you've never yeah. met before. But also, like, it just doesn't, like... Tom Hanks approach to it I maybe it's I just don't like Tom Hanks <laughs> you don't like Tom Hanks but I do but I don't like him and you've got mail there's no, something about but I find not, them both unlikable and you've got mail he's not James Stewart you know I'm glad you brought that up I find James Stewart generally pretty disagreeable like as, a, as an actor as a character I've never been like charmed by him I think he's never had like roles. I feel like James Stewart always plays James Stewart do you feel that way about Vertigo? Vertigo works because it's an amazing film that James Stewart is in. But you're going along with him. <laughs> you're trying to figure this whole thing out, too. And you can't... You have Vertigo. <laughs> but you're more interested in the mystery than James Stewart. That's He's fair. like the conduit to the mystery. Yeah. I guess he is. But I guess he's the Same kind thing of actor North by you Northwest. can put him in any situation. And if you're going to think, thing. who's that Rear today, window. it's Tom I'm... Hanks. No, but Tom Hanks is charming. Tom Hanks also, I think with James Stewart, there's a level of like, he takes himself very seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tom Hanks doesn't. Mm. I have a hard time seeing Tom Hanks, except for Sleepless in Seattle. I don't like seeing him as a romantic character. Yeah, I don't find him super romantic. He's kind of like, have you ever seen, there's like a YouTube clip of this couple taking pictures in Central Park? And Tom Hanks just rolls up to congratulate them. No, I bet I kind of love that. It's, so, it's <laughs> And they're like, oh my God, Tom Hanks. And he's like, you look lovely. You're my daughter's age. And then he says, can I get a picture with you guys? So it's just like, it's so Tom. It's so Tom Hanks. So Tom Hanks. Like perfect Tom Hanks to me is catch me if you can. Oh. And I feel like James Stewart could do that too. <laughs> no, James Stewart could not. He could have done catch me if Sorry. Can. I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is perfect Tom Hanks for me? Larry Crown. No, it's not. I, <laughs> <laughs> I made the weirdest face right there. It's not. Um, okay. That's interesting. What do Podcast I find over. perfect Tom Hanks? Because I love Tom Hanks. Right? What? I really like Tom Hanks. I just don't, like, I do, I like Forrest Gump, but I don't like it for the Jenny and Forrest story. Oh, God, she's so annoying. <laughs> God, she ruins that movie. I hate Jenny. Jenny. I'm glad she dies. <gasps> Don't say that. Poor Haley Joel Osment without a mom. <laughs> no, I have no sympathy for her. But what is your perfect Tom Hanks movie? I, think I actually that's can't a really think right question. now. That's a really good question, and I don't know. Do you need to go look at his IMDb? Because for me, it's Catch Me If You Can. I think he has, like, all of his regular Tom Hanks charm, and he's driven, and you hate him and you like him all in the same time. Because at one point you're like, no, I don't want Leonardo DiCaprio to get ca- caught. Like, I don't want you to figure this out. Yeah. But then you're also like, oh, I hope he like gets his guy because he's like in it, you know? It actually might be... Toy Story. It <laughs> Toy Story is one of them. Yeah. I think he's great in Toy Story. It also actually might be Sleepless in Seattle. It's, he's so good in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. And it's also because he's not... The romance is very different. Like, they never meet until the end. Yeah. So, like, there's you're not basing it on chemistry. It's kind of, like, 
it's a it's a different it's a differently made film and so i think i quite like him in that tom hanks is just very likable i'm looking through that filmography and i'm just like wow i like a lot of these movies i don't know if i love many of them yeah i realize that i think i like him when he's kind of an asshole because i also really love a league of their own <laughs> oh yes yeah. that's a good one mm-hmm. it's a good choice i like asshole tom hanks yeah because it's against type yeah because you know he's not a real life asshole. No, he's just like a warm human being who does Carly Rae Jepsen music videos. Oh yes. <laughs> Remember when Tom was the first person to get COVID? <laughs> we were all so worried. We were all so worried for Tom. <laughs> and Rita. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sequel prequel ideas? Um, so the B storyline of this movie yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, it is. And I kinda would have liked to seen, I think. I think it's smart that we never saw Mrs. Um, Matichek, but <laughs> I think it would be interesting to see like how her affair with this other um, shop employee came to be, because um, we never see her in the shop. Actually, she's always at home. So, like, when did they start? When did he first see her stalking? It's like, she's sleeping around, Mita. <laughs> or is she? <laughs> Maybe they were just yeah. hanging out. Because, like, I also got gay vibes from him. Like, maybe... I think I meant to... Oh, you mean the guy she was cheating with? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Right? Who knows? Who knows? But that B storyline is really interesting to me. And I kind of also want to see um his friend... I'm forgetting the character's name. But his friend, he has a family. He has a wife and kids. Oh, and, like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he got really happy because he had to work at night and avoid going to a party. And, like, that's me on a daily basis. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see that as well. But I also think that this this is just fine the way it is. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. What's your rating? So like I had mentioned going into this, I was concerned that it was going to be boring or that we wouldn't have very much to talk about. And I don't think we had like too much to go over here, but there is something really nice to say about movies of this time and like what they were able to bring to the culture Mm -hmm. because as we mentioned before like when we did roman holiday there's so much in this movie that you could see sprinkled throughout history with the rest of what has happened to Mm rom-coms and while i hate what's happened to the genre and like i don't like it anymore and i can't i don't i have it's i can't even think of one at the top of my head that i've liked in the recent years It is, it's so nice and heartwarming to see something from this time and still have it feel so present and believable and to be able to like, to digest it and not be like, this is so old. Like, this is so, (laughs) this is so old fashioned. Like, it's nice (laughs) that I'm not thinking that. Um, And so I was really glad that we watched it. And I do think it is a movie to watch because I think today, especially, we're, rom-coms are just filtered with trash (laughs) and it's nice to be able to see something that shows you like no you can have a really good romantic comedy that doesn't feel like garbage and this is that and i think people should be watching movies like this and we should have a renaissance of these kinds of films it would be very pleasant to see that so with that being said i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five Okay. Seven feels good. Seven feels good. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? All right, Mitha. Yeah, I I feel very similarly. I think it's it's it feels like a lost art of watching a film. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when you watch black and white movies, it can really be hit and miss. And like sometimes like we've talked about this 
especially when we talked about the third man, which we were like, this is a good movie, but the black and white is almost distracting. Mm -hmm. It can be very like, it can be very hard to kind of sit through a black and white movie. I didn't feel that way about this. I didn't feel like it was hard to watch. It felt very timely, which was really interesting because it is 80 years old and still some of the jokes are still clever they're still funny it doesn't feel like it stoops to a low level the way a lot of rom-coms do Mm -hmm. and like i'm not talking about every rom-com rom-com is i think such a bastardized term like we've talked about but you can have movies that are you know sophisticated rom-com-coms and not like i don't know 27 dresses or you know what's your number whatever those movies are. i like what's your number (laughs) (laughs) but like they just all are kind of grouped in like a there's, those are rom-coms. Yeah. Whereas something like Silver Linings Playbook is a romantic comedy. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like I get what you're saying. Yeah. There's, there's a like level. A rom-com is cheese. Yeah. And this is under the ledger of romantic comedy. Romantic comedy. Deserves and so, the like, full I do, word. It does. It deserves the full word. I quite like this. I did feel at times it felt like a forgettable film. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, it didn't, it doesn't have a lot of gravity. It doesn't have a lot of hold. I will always remember it very fondly. I will watch it again if I'm ever feeling like in the mood for something or keeping it on in the background. But it does generally feel like something you could easily forget about. It doesn't have a lot of presence as a film. Yeah, I think that also has like to do with the names behind this film. I think if there was like more famous, James James Stewart Stewart is, but like even the director of this, who I've now learned from research is like yeah. very famous, but I didn't, I can't name that person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so there's a little bit of that, but generally speaking, this is a very nice film. But the one thing I will say is, is that the way Hamapke Hekon is a feel good film, Hamapke Hekon has gravity, it has a history. And granted, like how the people connected to it is a part of that history and like a part of the pantheon now of film. This does it just doesn't have that same like gravitas, and I think that's actually really important. That like, and I think large that's largely because the A story doesn't work here. It really just is so bland. You're watching this because of the like, the the retail world and all the characters and how cute they are and all of that. That's why this movie works. The A story doesn't. Where and I think for feel good films for the A story to work. So for something like Amelie, the reason that feels so feel good is because that love story, you are invested in it. Mm. And even though you know she's going to end up with him, you're invested in getting there. And in this, you're not invested in them getting there. That's fair. So there is that. But altogether, very nice. Pleasantly surprised. So I also give it three and a half stars. Three and a half. A total of seven. But yes, that was the shop around the corner. Thank you for picking that, Mita. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, I'm glad we watched it too. I was yeah. really, really pleasantly surprised. It was quaint. It's a nice like quaint. Sunday afternoon movie. Yeah. yeah. Sunday evening as it might be. Maybe don't watch it after a six hour drive. No. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. That's true. Watch The Fugitive after something. a six hour drive. That'll yeah. get your, your endorsement. I feel like that running. might just, yeah, a little bit. I almost watched it again tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but Rita, it's time to move on. Yep. Because it's time to play. Different characters. Same, same world. world. Okay, Mita. Hmm. Three actors. Oh, great. Okay. I don't <laughs> know if you're going to get this. Is it a foreign language? It's an now? English. No, it's okay. English language. <laughs> within the last I, century. <laughs> yes, within the last century. Kind of. 
But I think you may or may not. I don't know. And I actually tried to pick characters that are from movies that I think you might recognize. Okay. But I don't know if you'll be able to stitch things together. Got you. Okay. Okay? Okay. So I'm giving you Arthur Edens. Okay. And then I'm giving you Begbie. Begbie or Bigbie? Begbie. (laughs) Okay. And I'm giving you Roland. (laughs) (laughs) Try. Again, you may or may not get this, but we'll see. And your timer starts now. Arthur, what was the last name? Edens. Is that like Arthur? No, I don't think it's like Dudley Moore or something. No. How do you spell Begbie? Begbie is spelled B-E-G-B-I-E. Begbie. I feel like that's like the... Um... I'm going to give you a hint. Yeah. That's a movie we've seen in this podcast. Who would have a name like that? We didn't watch any like Lord of the Rings or anything. <laughs> um, oh, 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 oh. Is it train spotting? It is train spotting. What is his 10 seconds? What's that actor's name though? <laughs> is the real question. Mm, yeah. Um, oh. I Time. know him too. Yeah. I so Begbie is from train spotting. It's Robert Carlyle. He's in Game of Thrones, right? He, uh, I don't know, actually. I don't think so. But it is Robert Carlyle. Okay. Arthur Edens is Tom Wilkinson in Michael Clayton. How did I forget that? (laughs) And then... I'm really mad about that one. Roland is (laughs) Mark Addy in A Knight's Tale. So, some... Okay. Something with a lot of old white men. (laughs) We are watching... The Full Monty. What is The Full Monty? <laughs> You're about to find out. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'm excited because I don't know what it is at all. But and from I the think... sounds of it, it sounds like like a, like a show. Like a okay. show, you know? So if you don't nothing about this, yeah, you have to rent it. Rent it blind. Okay. Don't Google, don't nothing. Don't even look at pictures if you can avoid it. Okay. Am Just I going to be blind. scared? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Am I going to enjoy this? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You might enjoy it the way wait, I enjoy it. this is NH10. not a holiday movie at all, though, right? <laughs> this is not a holiday movie, but there's a reason I'm putting it now. Okay. Because there's another movie. There's two movies that I was thinking for this time. Uh-huh. Because my third movie for the holiday season, because I get the last one, oh. this is actually airing right before Christmas, and then the third one airs right before New Year's. That is a holiday movie. Okay. Your December 29th movie is a holiday movie. Yes, okay. it's a holiday movie. Got you. Okay, Almost I'm nice. excited. <laughs> but that is all for next week. Mm-hmm. Do you have any parting words, Meets? I do. Just a lovely average girl. That's all I want. He gets so that. Fine. She's pretty average. <laughs> She's pretty average. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of unlikable, too. So hmm. Leave Clara alone. She's misunderstood. <laughs> is she? Yeah, I think so. She's just an average girl. She's just a girl. He's just a boy. Can I make it any more obvious? (laughs) Interesting choice. Thanks so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for The Full Monty. Woo!
Have a lovely week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.